Jordan is on best. Harper's on middle. Play together, they believe. Um, if there's Levert, it's cold. Levert, back in. Speed. Oh, he's a one-man wrecking crew. Holiday, shot clock down to six. Finds Warren. Welcome to another edition of the Indy Cornrows podcast. This is your host, Mark Schindler. As always, before we get started today, if you haven't already, please be sure to rate and review us over on Apple Podcasts. And of course, read us at Indy Cornrows. Caitlin just wrote a great profile of Rick Carlisle, some of the some of his plays that she really liked in, in, uh, in Dallas that could fit what the Pacers might be doing moving forward. Um, to talk about Rick Carlisle and just some Pacers stuff in general, I'm psyched to be joined by our, our frontline Indiana correspondent, Dave Searle. Dave, how are you doing today? <laughs> You know, you, you so you're down in the south and you're complaining about the humidity, but I'm telling you, it is just as humid up here in Indiana. I mowed the lawn yesterday and it was like somebody had uh, dunked me in a, a pool full of salt, uh, salt water. It was, uh, it, it's pretty bad up here. So um, I don't think that you are uh, missing too much. Uh, in for a rude awakening when I get back tomorrow, right? <laughs> uh, What's that? I said, in for a rude awakening when I get back tomorrow, I guess. Yeah, I know. Uh, it's just not going to get any better. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I wrote a little bit today, and it was uh, it was not pleasant. Yeah, I'm. Uh, I, I mean, I'm not really looking forward. To it. I'm excited to to go back <laughs> home, but like I, so it's an 11 hour drive back, and then I'll be home. Even so, if I do a straight shot tomorrow, I could I could take a break in the middle and like get a hotel. I don't really want to. I'd rather just do it all in one day. But we'll see what yeah. my dog thinks, because um, he's with me. But then also. I have to move out of my apartment by the 2nd of July uh, and I haven't started yet. So I, ideally I do it all tomorrow and I have one day off before I get to go unpack my apartment. Um, it's funny how though in the, in the gas stations on the way back, they have all like the, the, the five hour energy drinks and all this sort of stuff. And it's an entire industry built on a oh, desperation yeah. to get home faster, <laughs> yep. to not be where you are and just stay yep. awake. So you could, you know, if you're driving a truck, you get the job done faster. Or if you are on a road trip, just, I don't want to be here. So I will give you more money so I can leave. <laughs> yeah. I'm feeling an IV drip of Red Bull tomorrow is, is kind of where I'm at, but you know, we'll, we'll figure out when we get there. It's all about safety, right? But hit, hit a Whataburger on your way back. I've never been. I've never been. Good. I've heard it's good, but I'll have to try it. Um, well, Dave, obviously, yeah. if you were unaware, uh, Rick Carlisle got hired to come back to coach the Indiana Pacers. Um, I know you are pretty – I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, I believe you're pretty excited about the hire. Um, what was your reaction when it happened? Uh, for me, I was definitely surprised. I was not expecting uh, Rick to come back. Um but it's uh yeah i mean where are you at with with how everything's gone down so far well if you look at like the coaching search from the beginning there was no indication that rick carla would be like a serious candidate you always know that you know a couple of good coaches might get fired and you know they're going with a veteran coach so you figure it's probably a coach that got fired from somewhere yeah. else um didn't really know that much about rick carla being a real serious candidate so uh, when he sprung loose, obviously that was kind of the first thing that I ended up thought of, thinking about. But like, as the playoffs went along, and a lot of coaches that I didn't kind of expect might be, have their jobs up for grabs, and you saw, you know, you, the opportunity to coach like Zion is open, and then the opportunity to maybe coach like Giannis might be open, and things of that nature. 
as those more and more of those started to open up, when Rick Carlisle became a candidate, it's kind of like, mm, he's probably going to go for uh, maybe a slightly better opportunity. So I didn't really think that much about it, but of course the connection was there. I also wondered about whether or not it wasn't, it didn't, they didn't leave on perfect terms from the Pacers. And I thought maybe I don't. Did I anybody from that team leave on perfect terms? Years, <laughs> it's a great but, question. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's been a long time. So, um, but you know, it's, there was that factor. So like, I just didn't, I wanted it, but I just didn't really think about it that much. And so when that notification came out, that was the coaching candidate list was like Steve Clifford and Brian Shaw. And Terry and Stotts, I, had, yeah. I had already talked myself into Stotts. And so I was like praying for Stotts basically is where I was at. So when the, when that Carlisle uh, hammer dropped, I was, uh, I was very happy. And it's, I was just thinking about the fact that like, Hey, I don't think I've seen anybody really down on this hiring. Maybe some people love it more than others, but have you seen anybody that's just like, oh, this is a bad call? No, I don't think so. My only quibble qualms, whatever you want to call it, that I had with it was that it seemed like they didn't do a super thorough search, but at the same point, it's like Rick Carlisle is going to be the best coach on the market by uh, a long shot. I mean, he's a Hall of Fame coach, one of the best to ever do it. I still like, I mean, there still is like that thing in the back of my head where it's like, well, there were questions about how thorough the search was last time and they hired him over a phone call. But, you know, at the end of the day, it's the same, you know, it, yeah. good, good coach, good, good hire. So it's kind of interesting because like there has been a point raised of like, it, you want to be able to go out and, and give as many people a chance as possible. And then Rick just got hired with a phone call. I do think that the Pacers deserve a little bit of an asterisk because it's like they already had him as a coach. And the people who hired him still work there. So it's yeah. it, there's an, an unusual amount of familiarity with the franchise that I think does make it a little bit outside of – like if they had hired Bjorken without any other interviews, it might be like, come on. Like yeah. we need to really kind of reexamine this process a little bit. It's a little bit different with the Pacers, I think, because of that familiarity. But like that also made him in this scenario kind of a dream candidate that seems sort of unusually – good of a fit because you knew they were going to go with a veteran coach after what happened with Bjorken, it would have been really, really, really hard to add a brand new coach. I mean, I think the fans would be against it immediately. I think that the players in the locker room might be like, are we seriously doing this again? I mean, there's a lot of reasons why there'd be a lot of doubt about that. So I'm fine with that decision, especially with the way that it ended up. But not only do you get a guy who won a title, he was, had a really good chance of winning title with the franchise who hired him. I don't know if I've ever seen that before in any sport where, I mean, if it wasn't for the brawl, who knows what happens during that season. Has any other team had the ability to bring back a coach that almost won a title with them once? I mean, I, I can't, nothing comes to mind. If there is, there's maybe it's a handful of times. So, um, you know, knowing that you want to get a veteran coach, title winning uh, um, in the past being one of the things that you'd really, really love to see. There's only a few coaches that ever won a title. And the fact that he has one is a very cool get for the Pacers. Almost got it in the Pacers uniform, familiar with uh, with the franchise. He's an offensive guru, most of all. I mean, he is definitely one of those coaches that can morph what he's doing to whatever his um, his players are, which is a very, very big bonus and a very very uh big feather in his cap those detroit teams that he was good with with those pacers teams he was good with it was defense first but of course he was the offensive coordinator for the for the uh you know the the finals team under bird 
he is really more of an offensive coach, so he can kind of hit it from any angle, which I think is um, um, a very um, important trait to be able to have in a coach. You're not worried about if we hire D'Antoni, we got to remake the roster a little bit. You know, I think he can kind of make anything work, really. Um, so, yeah, it's just, you know, who else? I mean, other than, like, Popovich. Like, I'm not even joking. Like, who else would it be? I mean, like, Spolstra somehow becomes available. There really wasn't a lot of options that in this specific scenario would have worked better. Um, maybe a tiny bit of concern I've seen float out there of his point guards hate him. <laughs> like, Jamal Tinsley hated him. Well, hey, this team doesn't Rondo have a point guard, so it's fine. <laughs> um. Yes, exactly. But, you know, it's that particular thing lining up with the fact that Malcolm Brogdon seems to have hated every coach he played for both of those joining together on one roster is kind of a question mark. Um, but I think the part of the thing about that is Malcolm Brogdon has kind of been publicly a little down on two consecutive coaches to a degree. I mean, he's backed up both publicly, but you know, it seems like there's a little bit more going on there. Yeah. People who are in the locker room and seem to be pretty tied in, seem to keep pointing at Malcolm Brogdon a little bit. So I, I feel like pretty secure with that. But um, there comes a point where you get a third coach, a coach that's won a title. The coach has had a lot of success with a lot of franchises and you butt heads with him for the third year in a row. That's pretty tough to do. So I think that that buys a pretty long runway of if there's anything with Brogdon thinking like, I don't, this is the guy. It's like, I got to be quiet for like two years. Because I, I need to take a little bit of a step back on that and just buy into this because there's a, there's not much thinking that it's going to get much better than this from the pedigree of a coach. And I think that I need to kind of really go all in on a coach for a couple of years before I, I raise any concerns. Um, I don't want to go real hard on Brogdon. And I love Brogdon, and I hope mm-hmm. he's a baser for the rest of his career. Um, but the thing that kind of soothes that over a little bit for me, a concern of a – kind of point guard unfriendly coach versus maybe kind of a demanding point guard is the fact that this is the third year in a row he's gonna have to buy in for at least a couple years i think yeah no i think there's a lot of credence there um i'm not again i'm not really sure what to make of some of the stuff with that um i know it was uh it wasn't necessarily just coaching in milwaukee if i remember correctly um like, I don't think he had any issues with the coaching staff in Milwaukee, but I know there was a lot of other well, stuff with, with Jason too. Kidd. I mean, yeah. the, well, I, mean, I don't who think did? he butted uh, that much yeah. with, with Bud, but um, yeah. there was kind of a – but you know what? Jason Kidd isn't a very good coach. <laughs> yeah, or a good person. So, you know, there's that too. But The, um, the, the, the Pacers needed to take a risk in the, in, in the coaching seat in order to get a higher ceiling. You know, and Bjork, we know about – all the things that he's had against coaching – have been pretty valid, it seems like. Yeah. You know, he did have some uh, problems with Coach Bud, and it was the fact that he was thought he was better than Eric Bledsoe. And you know what? He was right. <laughs> He's right. He is better than Eric Bledsoe, and he probably should have been playing more. So um, he hasn't been wrong yet. And I think that that is also a huge caveat that you have to um, uh, put out there anytime you kind of have a little bit of a Malcolm Brogdon. Now, if, if he starts you know, saying that Carlisle is an idiot, then you might think. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's problematic. I, uh, so yeah, I mean, I guess I would ask too, uh, because we're both in agreement. I, I think it was a great hire, um, especially considering where the team is coming from. Uh, like considering what the trajectory looked like uh, coming off the Bjork and firing or not even the firing yet, just like how that season ended and how everything was looking after the last month to turn around and have, 
going into July, like this is a lot better, uh, believe it or not. Um, I guess my first, qu- well, not first, but one of the questions I would ask is uh, how does this change your outlook of the team moving forward? Because it definitely has changed it for me, especially in the sense like, I don't think I ever really thought the team was going to go in a full rebuild or anything or try and go that way. But KP's always talked about like, you know, we don't want to take a step backwards. We don't want to be in the middle. Um, like, I think if there, there were like, I mean, clearly things were on the horizon, but I think this all but secures that there is going to be some kind of change. At least I hope so. Um, oh, you I don't, that, you, you think that this means that there will be a change. That's interesting to me. I hope this is the, okay. So this is just my way of looking at it. I think if you are going to, and we'll talk about the, the dollar leakage too. I think if you're going to reportedly pay a coach four years, uh, you know, almost $30 million. So more than half the players on your roster, if you're not going to go out and make roster moves too, I think that's a problem or not even a problem, but it's just more like, well, that feels very like a half measure to me. Um, I think like, I, I guess I could understand the, idea that you want to see this roster run back with with Rick Carlisle but at the same time too I still just think that we have seen enough with uh Turbonis together to to say hey why are we doing this a third time you know like I would really like to actually see this team have a direction that they're bought into going into next year um instead of feeling very push-pull and not sure of like oh are they going to break up at the trade deadline or like what is this going to look like um I don't know I mean where are you at with that has your opinion changed up at all with that I can see why you're why you would say that. I think that, um, like I, I say this all the time, I feel like fans just completely have amnesia that they wanted to trade Turner and had an agreement to trade mm-hmm. Hayward, and then kind of Boston sort of pulled out a little bit, and he ends up going to Charlotte. Um, that was very public, unusually public for the Pacers. So yeah. it's definitely on their mind to kind of break up that core. Um, the first thing that I thought with that extension was that they are definitely. Um, not rebuilding, um, you know, in the postseason uh, remarks, Pritchard did say, I mean, we don't know if we're going to get blown away or something. And, you know, if, if we get some crazy offer, I mean, you never know what's going to happen. Um, I That stuck in my ear a little bit more than usual because, I mean, you, as a GM, you say anything's possible, but also like the Warriors are sitting on a pile of assets and want to win now. And so, you know, that kind of possibility of like, why don't you just fill out our starting lineup, Indiana? Here's everything we have, and we're going to go for it with uh, uh, hopefully Clay and Dre, um, and you know, the, uh, whatever you give us. Um, I thought may have been out there, but I think that the Carlisle hiring just kind of um, puts a, uh, a kibosh in that one. Um, as far as making a trade goes, I I'm still personally um, a true believer in that if this roster is fully healthy, that they're going to be very good. I truly, I really do think that that's going to happen. Now, with the raw talent that they have, can are they going to be as good as they could be with, uh, you know, Turbonis playing? I don't think so. It's that makes them a little bit less than some of their parts, but that's still pretty good, I think. And I do think that there might be a possibility of Carlisle's looking at film and he's thinking about it, saying, "No, no, no, no. What if we did this? Like, what if we ran horns every play? You know, like, just see what <laughs> yeah. happens. You know, yeah. Like, there's a ways to kind of make it work a little bit better." Um, and I don't think it's a lock that they say we got to figure it out. Um, but I do feel like there's just a lot of unusually good pieces that are just in the mix right now. And so obviously, obviously everybody's brain goes to, you know, let's get Ben Simmons or let's get Damian Lillard as what the Pacers might have a mentality there. Okay. But like, look at what they did 
just this past year. Harden moved. They got involved. You know, uh, they end up getting Levert out of it. We don't know what kind of mechanics are involved that end up the Pacers getting a nice, good improvement because of whatever team doesn't do, want to do whatever. You know, maybe there's a very solid perimeter player that maybe Portland doesn't want to take on right now because they need to rebuild. And so as part of that trade package, you know, Indiana ends up putting some draft capital or whatever in it and then moves a guy in order to, you know, like getting that third party um, involvement in there and getting someone who's a really solid and good player right now that just doesn't fit the other team, either because of lineup concerns or the direction of the team. Definitely something the Pacers could do. Who, who is that? I have no idea. Uh, but um, I could definitely see the Pacers getting in the mix of that kind of thing um, and end up getting a really good and solid player out of it. So um, that feels like a Pacers move right there, uh, getting in that mix. And then um, just the various kind of, you know, side and trade things. Um, uh, you never know when that kind of stuff happens too. So to me, honestly, the higher number at Carlisle doesn't, do anything as far as the likelihood of that, but I still continue to think that the most likely outcome of the offseason is some kind of trade. Yeah, I think, um, I mean, I'm not like, I mean, you know me, I'm not anti true bonus, it's more just like, I think, I mean, they need to trade one eventually. I mean, yeah, there's a period, exactly. That's just how it feels, and it's yeah, uh, they're, they're never gonna reach the full ceiling of their talent capital unless they have one of them in a, a piece that fits better. That's just the way that it is. Yeah. And I tend to be somebody who'd rather just, if I know that there's um, something budding there, like I'd rather just get rid of it or, or that sounds, that's the total wrong way to put it. I just mean like, if there's a move to be made, I would rather make it quicker instead of waiting. Um, and part of that is like, maybe that's not the wrong, but I mean, there's a reason I'm not in the front office, but I think that's just how I yeah. tend to look at it. You know, and I diverge with you a little bit on that because I feel like both of those guys are very viable for different reasons. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of people have, chosen camps i don't know why i hate that um, it's a thing they're both fantastic so players. much so that, that there's so many people that think the other guy is garbage and like uh, it's awful that's that's all ridiculous but um they're both good and they're both the kinds of players that a team might need to take the next level and so i am fine with the pacers being patient because i don't think it's like this crazy like it will not work with these two guys together I think it would can work enough that you can afford to be a little bit patient. Um, and I would hate to see the Pacers spin one off for spare parts just to move forward. I disagree with you. I think that if they move into the season with both, just because they want to see what happens at the trade line and they think something better is going to come up, then I'm, I'm okay with that, honestly, from my yeah. perspective. I know how frustrating it would be to be to say – what if everybody's healthy again, but now everybody's kind of caught up in what's going to happen with this trade – I can see how that could be frustrating. And I think that maybe a little bit of motive, but not a serious extra incentive. I think that you still got to be patient because they're too good uh, to kind of cast off or spare parts just to make a change, just to make a change. I, I just want to know what the plan is moving into next year, which again, it's, it's hard to say, like you, you're not just going to have something concrete. I think, you know, given how KP operates, there's always stuff on the table. He's always thinking through things. And I appreciate that. It's more just like, I don't know, like last year, uh, it was like one of the only things, and I was very much so a, a quote unquote Bjorker and defender early in the year when, when the team started to lose, because it was like, well, Hey, you know, the vision of what the team was going to be coming in completely flip-flopped, you know, a month and a half into the year. Um, so I don't know that, I guess that's, that would be where my only hesitancy comes through with it, but 
I agree. You don't, you don't want to just S you guys off for, for spare parts. And, um, but I still think too, in terms of just looking at the bench overall, though, there definitely needs to be some consolidation considering how the, uh, how free agency could play out. I have no idea how it's going to play out, which is part of the, the weirdness of it. But, um, there's a lot of stuff that we're going to be looking at this coming off season. Dave, I know you got to get out of here. Um, do you have any closing remarks or anything exciting coming up in your life right now that you want people to know about? We were going to talk about fallout. We didn't get to talk about fall today. That's my bad. What's that? So we were going to talk about fallout. We didn't even get to talk about fallout today. That's my bad. No, that's uh, there's more days and more podcasts uh, coming true. up. Uh, so we'll, we will be okay. Um, I, I, I was, I, I enjoyed uh, talking a little bit with, uh, uh, Caitlin online today about possible Damian Lillard trade. And that was sort of an interesting hit. I'm really interested to see how that plays out for him because I don't know if a player like that has hit the trade market. In oh, it's a been a long, long time. time. Cause even, well, because Anthony, I mean, yeah, Anthony Davis was, he had what a year and a half left on his deal. Like not even. Right, but then, but of course, he demanded L.A. right away yeah. and didn't have a lot of time left on the deal. I, I'm not aware that Damian Lillard has a no-trade clause. I don't think he does. He does not, I don't believe. There's no real reason why he can't be traded to the Magic. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, he can't stop that from happening. Um, and their GM, I, doesn't, I don't think, is necessarily the kind of guy that's going to, you know, who knows what that crazy guy is going to do. All right. <laughs> But, Can't stand um, him. I'm interested to see how all of that plays out, but you know, he's under contract for four more years and like he has the kind of game that, I mean, he can play with anybody. I don't care. I mean, he can play with staff, you know, like there isn't anybody he can't play with. So um, I've never seen uh, a guy at that age, at that quality, with that much contract left with the kind of attitude where I don't care where I'm at as long as I'm winning uh, that could fit in with anybody it's sort of like the Rick Carlisle of superstars. <laughs> a little yeah. Bit, but like he'll just fit in it. That's, I mean, it's a joke. He's a lot better than Rick Carlisle, I think, but the, what's the trade package? Oh, Is I have no idea. Like I, I'll be anything? honest. I kind of side with Caitlin here. Like, cause I just think um, like, I, I agree with you to an extent. Like I think if you can get a top 10 player, you just do it and figure out the rest. But at the same time too, I just think in terms of what you'd have to trade to get Dame to come here, like to actually make that deal happen. Um, I just don't know what's left on the, on, on the team to actually compete. And like, is that team really like Caitlin posed? Like, is that team better than Portland? I don't know that they are. I mean, maybe you could look at it and say, okay, well, Rick, Rick is here, you know? And again, this is to everyone listening. Of course, this is just, this is a bit, we're just talking about, uh, stuff that probably won't even happen. The, the but, question is, should the Pacers do kind of literally any trade possible to get Damian Lillard? Not are the Pacers front runners for Damian Lillard? I mean, Not, personally, is, I would. Here's what I'd, I'd say. I lean more towards Caitlin, but also I would acknowledge that top 10 players just don't become available. For the most part, it's not possible to get them. To, like the Pacers rarely draft high enough to get Damian to come here. Um, I would do it. I frankly would do it. And I know that the team would probably um, it might not work, but at the same time, I think it's the type of thing where if you don't take the shot, then I think it's what, what, then what are we doing? You know, like he's under contract four more years. So if two years go by and he gets mad, you still have him under contract for two years to be able to kind of spin off into another trade. 
you could argue that Damian Lillard is just going to fall off a cliff, but he's not Russell Westbrook. I mean, he's not relying on athleticism. He's not relying on speed. He's just extremely skilled. And, like, he's going to age great, I think. Um, and he's he's not, you know, breaking his back on defense either. So you know, <laughs> that gonna, is that is for sure. <laughs> he's going to um, age great. I think he's going to be another player kind of like Chris Paul where he's like, you know, he's still really, really good when he's uh, in his mid-30s. And um, that opportunity to take two years – of, of his prime and then spin him off for a great crit package two years later, if you have to, I mean, I, it's really hard to find a downside on that. And, you know, like the Pacers are going to draft, you know, a couple more TJ leaves and, you know, if they have to <laughs> spare a few of them in order to uh, add to uh, some players that, cause I mean, obviously Damian Lillard is much better than Sabonis and Brogdon combined. I think that that's a slam dunk easy. So then it's just mainly about like, is Aaron Holiday in the mix? You know, is is uh, a couple of late round firsts in the mix? Um, that makes it pretty easy to me. But I think that there's a brain that you have when these scenarios come up. Like, do you bet the farm on James Harden? I might be like, whoa, whoa, whoa. he's gonna be a, he's gonna be a free agent real soon, and the odds of him being happy in Indiana are pretty darn low. Uh, but know, there are some up, clubs in Indiana. A, Who knows? You know, <laughs> <laughs> he's a, he's under Lily's under contract for so long. And has the kind of personality where maybe only cares about winning and is obviously okay with embracing a smaller market. That's just, and then the fact that you would be able to trade him and reverse it for another great trade package means that there's very little exposure here. And, you know, great basketball is great basketball. You get Lillard for two years and then trade him off uh, for a package that's 75% of what you sent out. I mean, well, yeah, and a great point, too. Sorry, I don't mean to keep holding you, but this is a good conversation. No, I no, think, no, I got time. You're fine. Okay, You're fine. cool. I would add, too, even, like, let's say, okay, if it doesn't work out, then you finally get your chance to rebuild. Um, like, if 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 you really have to um, end up making that trade again, then, yeah, I think – I don't know. I, uh, I'm i very yeah, much so, so – someone, someone, oh, yeah, Sorry, fine. not to cut you off, but someone might say, okay, you traded your picks to get Lillard, and then – you, then you're rebuilding and he's gone. So what do you do then? Because those high draft picks that you theoretically might get aren't going to be there anymore because you traded them away, which is somewhat of a valid point. But I, there is some assumption on my part that whoever trades for Lillard the second time is going to give you some future assets for it. And I think that those future assets ultimately will still be at least equivalent to what those picks would have been had you never made the trade at all. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, I totally agree with that. I think there's a lot yeah. of uh, that, that makes a lot of sense to me. Um, and even then, like you look at Houston, like they were totally gutted for for draft capital and then they trade Harden. And again, it's not perfect because you don't want to trade James Harden, but they got a, an insane amount of picks back. And now it's still not perfect. They're not in a great scenario, but it's a lot better than it looked even just a year and a half ago. So I think that's a really great point to bring up, but again, probably will not happen, but worth noting. I do it's think not, it's definitely not going to yeah. happen. You don't expect it. Yeah. yeah like, they might be in the trade. They might be like, blah, blah, blah. Something happens. And CJ McCullough comes to the, to the Pacers, you know, like something crazy like that, you know, being in the mix, that was something I'd put a much bigger bet on. Yeah. I, uh, I look forward to what this offseason could be like, because I do think it's going to be crazy in terms of, like this feels I, I know we say this kind of stuff every year. But to me, this feels very different than the last year or two, just with the amount like it's actually a really interesting point to bring up. Like it feels like a lot of this. I wouldn't say that it's all uh, internal issues or locker room issues, but um, 
uh, quite a few of these things have felt like it in some regards in, in the way that things have come out. It's, it's not been on court issues. A lot of it has been, um, you know, disagreements with, uh, with, with organizations and whatnot. And I wonder how much the pandemic has played into that. Like I've thought about that just in my own relationships um, and like my own friendships and everything, like um, being in close proximity to people and, and having all this weirdness and not having it be like normal life. I wonder how much that actually plays into everything. That's probably me galaxy braining a little bit, but I do think there's something there, but um, yeah, I agree, man. If there's an opportunity to make it happen, but it probably won't. It's uh, it's always fun to think about though. Some good content for a midday pod. <laughs> That's that. That's right. That's um. It's always interesting, the way people perceive the value of superstars, and it is always this man. That guy is so good. It has such a huge impact on winning. But then when it comes to actually like putting your own team's assets into something, they're like, no, not T.J. Warren. He's a deal breaker. You know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. As much as I love T.J. Warren, it's we we kind of. It's interesting how. It's basically like quarterbacks, you know, how much more valuable they are than the rest of the, the players in the league. Uh, so the absolute best players, it's uh, it's wild how much of a difference they make. Uh, yeah, I completely agree, man. It's uh, especially seeing like, I mean, the, the James Harden deal was a ton of picks, but also like Drew Holiday. Um, part of that is because of, you know, Drew, like Giannis is resigning if you do this, like that makes a big difference. But yeah, um, well, Dave, this has been a blast, man. Uh, do you have anything exciting come up? I know I already asked it, but now I'm, I, I get the chance to ask again. You got anything exciting coming up you want people to know about? Uh, not really. Uh, looking forward to uh, vacation. I'm going to trade places with you in Alabama here in a couple weeks. Is it really vacation in Alabama? No, just kidding. It's actually pretty wonderful down here. It's not like uh, it's not quite like y- you envision. Uh, I'm sure there are sections that, that are, but I, I've enjoyed my time in Tuscaloosa. I'm definitely looking forward to being back up north, though. It is a... Uh, I'm ready. They inject it into my veins. We're definitely heading straight for the beach and then leaving immediately. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's certainly a way to do it. Well, Dave, this was a blast, man. To everyone listening, thank you for listening. And most importantly, have a good rest of your day.